Hey, welcome to the CMO Whisper Show. I'm your host, Steve Olensky. Part marketing practitioner, part ad agency veteran, part journalist. I was a writer for Forbes for 10 years. I've had so many insightful conversations over the years with business leaders, to athletes, to celebrities, to, of course, CMOs. The only difference now is instead of sharing those insights through written form, I'm doing it this way. My guest this week is former NBA player Channing Fry. After an illustrious 14-year career, which included winning a championship in Cleveland with none other than LeBron James, Channing is now lead analyst for Warner Brothers Discovery, where he hosts a multitude of shows, including Handles on NBA TV, and is co-host of a very popular podcast with another former NBA player, Richard Jefferson. Channing also started his own private wine label called Chosen Family Wines. Here's my highly entertaining conversation with Channing Fry. Channing, I am so, so happy. Uh, I'm so grateful for your time. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I always appreciate it. I always like getting on and, and chopping it up with good people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to jump right in to the wine industry. I want to start with the wine industry. What attracted you to it? Let me let me start from the basics. And then we can make it more granular as we go. So the basic thing is, I like being around my people. I like being around new people. I like seeing new places. I think the most underrated thing in this world is a good conversation. When you go out to wine country, your phone usually doesn't even work half the time, right? You're going up a gravel road. You're going into somebody's house or a beautiful tasting room or a barn. And they're literally giving you a piece of art in a glass. So once you understand that and really kind of appreciate that, right, and don't take that for granted, for me, that's what drew me to it was, number one, the people, number two, the story, and number three, the juice, right? And you can dive into each one of those different things. It's like, okay, you would say, well, what, is, you know, what does wine have to do with people? Everything. Uh, I, you and I can ha- get the same grapes, do the same farming practices, and our juice will taste completely different. Is it's based on how we interpret. It's based on what's what's happened in our past lives, right? We could be chefs and we could both drink the same wine and we would pair it with different things. I may say, oh man, this would go with, you know, right now I'm eating, you know, jalambals, you know? So like soup dumplings. And you may say, oh, this goes great with the Italian grinder sandwich based on perspective in mind. And then the juice is just the... The fact that it's a surprise makes it awesome. Like I could get a $20 bottle of wine and it be the best thing I've ever had. And I can go get a $20,000 bottle of wine and be like, oh, this is gross. And I think just the surprise of that, again, brings everyone together. It's like this bottle is important. Hopefully it's good. I want this to be good so we could share this memory. You know, it's almost like liquid in a bottle. It's very interesting, though, the disparity between the $20 bottle versus the $20,000 bottle, where it could be that hit or miss, right? I can't think of another industry that's like that. Right. I think for 20 bucks, a lot of it has to do with perspective, right? For $20,000 or let's say even $200, that bottle, the pressure on that bottle and the person making it is immense, right? For 20 bucks, you're like, if this is good or not, I don't really care. It's 20 bucks, right? You know, also to make a bottle that's that expensive, your farming practices or where you're getting the wine has to be either hard to farm or elite soil 
and elite practices after the juice is in the barrel. And so for me, as I've gotten older, there are certain wines that I don't mind being less than 40 bucks. And there are certain wines that I go, if I can get my hands on this bottle, regardless if it's a thousand dollars, I want to see what that tastes like because it is, you know, like Petrus in Bordeaux of all the mountains and hills, there's only one hill that is white clay. So instead of regular sedimentary soil where the water goes down, you know, it's clay. And when it rains, the clay actually like a sponge, it doesn't seep down. It just absorbs it. And it's crazy. It's, but again, now we're getting granular about why that bottle is more expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, as big as France's, it's this tiny thing that's the size of my thumb and it's right there. And so it's like just a story and the juice is delicious. So it, it's, it's incredibly fascinating the the differences and the nuances right. of that industry. And, and when I say nuance, I don't mean to diminish it at all because. No, 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 you're right. Nuance is a good word. And you talk about marketing, right? It's yeah. if you have a marketing budget in wine, you're going to be a monster, right? Because most of these people are farmers who make wine. So they farm it. They, they're the winemakers and they're working in the tasting room. So where does the marketing budget go into it? But when you have a big company like Napa Cabs and stuff like that, if you have a $100 bottle of wine and you're trying to sell 100,000 cases, you're going to need marketing. And how is your how are you going to get your story out, right? That's a huge thing. How are you going to get that story out if nobody knows about it? How are you going to sell that much wine? So marketing is extremely important Well, yeah. when it comes to wine. Exactly. Let me get to the name for a second. Yeah. Well, not for a second, but Chosen. Yeah. Tell us about where that came from, the name. Man, so this is a pretty personal story. So in 2016, that year, I was, the beginning of the year, I was playing on Orlando Magic. I was the worst team in the league, basically one of. And I got traded to the Cavaliers. And I think it was 40 games later, we won a championship. The only championship ever for somebody to come back 3-1 was June 22nd or 24th, one of those. And that was the greatest day of my life. And then... July, August, September, October, four months later, my mother died. And then a month later after that, my dad died. So within six months, I had the greatest and worst days of my life. And that year, I, I'm a very glass half full guy. That year, I was—I didn't even have a glass on the table, right? I was a shell of myself. You know, for me, I was going to practice. I was doing these things. But you know, on my way to practice, I would be crying about, is this worth it? And I just want to go sit at home. And, you know, I'm going to practice at eight, nine o'clock. You know, obviously I'm on East Coast time. I would call my friends just to talk to me, right? Just to get me up. Like, is this worth it? And they were up at six o'clock with me, you know, answering phone calls, talking to me about life and all type of shit. And my teammates became my family by, you know, making sure I wasn't in my room. So the name Chosen Family comes from not necessarily your family, but the people you spend time with, the people that lift you up, the people that grow with you, that hold you accountable. And for me, those, you know, Kevin, Braun, Richard, my guy Doug and DB and, and Tristan and all those guys were guys that were like, hey, Chaney, let's go out and have a good glass of wine and laugh. And so when I had an opportunity to, to really figure out what I loved about wine, that's the first thing I went to. I went to my chosen family. And so anytime you share a bottle of wine with people, you are choosing them to become part of your family, to to share your ideas with, to share your memories with, 
So it's more than just wine. It, it's a it's a feeling. It's a growth. It's you know the empathy of of I would say like for me, I love going to the store, or going to my cellar, and being like, dude, you got to try this wine because I've listened to you, right? Like I don't know what you like if I don't listen to you or if I don't want to get to know you or if we share a story. I'm like, man, I would love to share this bottle of wine with you. You've never been to Washington here. Try this. I have. Now let's talk. Maybe we go together. You know, it's it's literally you're creating memories with that bottle of wine. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good segue into one of the things we you and I have talked about prior to this was how you want the brand to be looked at. Right. Meaning it's not just quote a wine brand. It's much more than that. You know, giving you the microphone here, the platform, what is it you want people to think of when it comes to the brand? And this is something that, I don't know, because obviously Instagram be listening to everything we talk about. And I think somebody said, if Nike had a hotel, we were pretty sure what what that hotel would look like, right? We sure the colors, the feel, the vibe, we would know what that looks like. And I think for Chosen, what the vibe and the feel and the the communication we're trying to get across is everybody is welcome at our table and there's no judgment. Whether you are just beginning to like wine or just going out because your friends wanted to or you're ready to dive into it, it's less about the wine and more about the community, right? I think, you know, being 40, being black, being an ex-NBA player, those are three things people go, oh man, that should help you in the wine industry. But it doesn't, right? I'm working my way from the bottom, right? It's like, I didn't grow up around wine, right? I grew up in Arizona. And for me to have such passion for it and to find people who are equal as much passion, I get excited to share this. But I also don't want to share it and be like, my wine's the best and only come here. I want you to come here and enjoy the sounds, the sights, the smells, like the feeling of it. I want you to feel like you're not only accepted, which everyone, you know, should be feeling, but also want you to feel energetic about it. Like, oh man, this is something that I may be able to get into, right? Because it's not aggressive. It's not a, like we want to de-weaponize wine and and make it more about me and you sharing this and talking than actually us staring at the bottle. You know, Mm. it should be the frame. How we make wine is we want our oak regiment to frame the fruit because the fruit is the story. We want our wine to frame your interaction with your friends and family. We don't want it to be the main story. It's good. If it's good, if it's great, it should be something that you share and you love, but it should not be like, oh man, this is, you shouldn't be talking about the wine for 10 hours. It just, you should be getting to know the people next to you. I'm smiling, which I know people cannot see me as they're listening to this, but I'm smiling because, or chuckling even, because I can just hear so many CMOs and heads of brands and heads of marketing around the world cringing yeah. at you saying those things about, no, we're just part of this. This is not the main ingredient, if you will, the main dish, right? And so many brands feel and want to be and think they need to be that center of attention and and they don't get it. They don't get it how you know, brands are meant to fit into people's lives, not the other way around. Absolutely. Dude, this is not an ego project. That's why my name's not on it, right? The only names that are on the back are to give you the quality. Like we are doing the work to provide great juice for different price points. So that's why we don't make just one type of wine, 
We have wine that's $24, 38, 40, 48, 50, 60, 75, 120, and 100. So wherever you are in your journey, whether you want Napa Cab, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Rose, Bubbles, right? We want it, we want you to take that and to make sure you're like, man, I really feel like I want a Syrah right now. We have that. If that's what's going to make your experience the best, nowadays, everything has to be somewhat of an experience. It's just who we are as a culture. So for me to just put a glass in front of you and say, here you go, you're missing 90% of it. You're missing the story. You're missing why we even made it. You're missing why we do this every day. Like that's the part where it's, it is about wine, but it's more about finding, for me, finding myself within this new life of outside of basketball, but also like what a blessing that I found something that inspires me to get up every day and and have the energy to talk about it and be hyped about it. It's hard. It is hard as shit to do to run this business and to do it. But I believe in our products. I believe in our winemakers and the relationships that we've created because I want to share, you know, chosen family is like we do collaborations, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we started was saying, hey, I appreciate you, Longolo. Can we do something together? I love what you're doing. I want to tell his story as much as I want to tell mine. Because not everyone drinks the same wine every night. That's just ridiculous. You want to go to new places. You want to see new things. But you will always come back to the place that puts you on. You know what I'm saying? You're always going to go back to the place that goes, man, I went to Chosen and then I found Longolo. If I go back to Chosen, they're going to send me somewhere else. If I go back to Chosen, I feel great even if I'm just ready to chill out and just have a glass of wine and watch sports. You used the word not long ago, the word experience, right? Yeah. And it's a bit overused now in the world of marketing. Of course. From right from the term customer experience. Right. And where you're coming at it from the experience that you want you know the consumer customer to have with your brand. But to me, I get this vibe from you that it's just so much more than that. It's it's that bigger picture. It's that I don't even know if I'm putting in this in the right words. But you're you you know you want, and I think it's really smart on your part and the company's part to say, look, we're just one part of this overall experience you're going to have with your family, with your friends. For me, when I look back at some of my favorite bottles, and I were if I were to blind taste some of them, I probably would know half of them. Hmm. Most of my favorite bottles were because of the experience, and so I want to continue to support that business. Because of, I've had such a great time at that place that I want other people to experience it. I want to take people to experience it. Because yeah. every time I go, I'm like, man, these feelings start to come up of like, dude, I have a great time. You know, I had a great time here and I want to share this. I, that wine is good too. And, you know, it may be good this time. It may be great next time. It may be, uh, but I'm always going to have a good time when I come here. I'm always going to feel like family. I'm always going to learn I'm going to get to see something that I didn't grow up seeing, right? I'm from Arizona. I I didn't grow up watching vineyards. It's literally all about the experience, especially when it comes to wine country. The experience in your mouth, the experience in your eyes and your nose. I just can't help. There's so much, there's so many lessons here for for brands in like a traditional consumer product good or any, any really, any other industry from, to take from what you say about how you want chosen to be perceived and looked at as part of the overall experience and not 
the the center of attention. Because my list, like I said at the top, they're chief marketing officers, they're brand leaders, they're business leaders. And and I want them to understand from your words that, look, you got a new car, you got a new shirt, you got a new drink, you got a new widget, whatever it is you're trying to sell, market, and promote, you have to understand where that item fits in a consumer's overall life. You know, for me... I would say we're trying to fit right in the middle. And I'm thinking about price point. I'm thinking about where, how big we are. You will never hear me say, oh man, we make the best wine. And I I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe we make great wine. Can we be better? If somebody scores 50 points, you're like, damn, that's a crazy good game. But somebody scored 70, somebody scored 100, somebody scored 81. So for me, we want to score, we, we want to make sure that our quality is there and chosen is about legacy. And mm-hmm. legacy is built step by step, block by block, each and every time you grab one of our bottles, right? So if you start with us and start to learn and grow with us as we grow, right? I'm 40. So I plan on doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. As we grow, you're going to grow with us and see how our tastes evolve, see our relationships grow, see how our wine grows. And and one thing that we take pride in is not a lot of bottles for $40 or $30. You can age. I was looking out for my boys, right? At the beginning, my, my test subjects, as I call them. And I, they're not used to drinking wine like that, right? They're used to twist offs. They drink it. They throw it in ice. And I'm like, guys, let me just show you how it's supposed to be done. So it tastes the best. And I was like, get two or three. And they were like, oh, it's going to go bad. I go, nope. Do you have a closet? Put it in the closet. Does the closet get hot? No. Keep it in the closet in the dark. And so we, our first one came out in 2018. And my boys were like, holy crap. Like, Channing, this is still good. I was like, yes, that's quality. This is what you deserve. Whether it's $40 or, or $30 or $50, you deserve to put a glass of a bottle of wine down and drink it one, one, one every year, if that's what you want. But again, it's all about quality for what we're trying to do. And, and for me, I can't really make, I don't want to say make mistakes, but I got to win every time you drink that our bottle. I got to win. Because if I put out some BS, somebody's going to say, you know what? There's Channing Fry and another celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get rich quick, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing with his quality or this or that. And I think for me, I love proving people wrong in that sense. And so the only way that I could prove people wrong is by continuing to make the best wine possible from our palate, from Oregon, which we know year in and year out. Exactly. So when I was at Forbes years ago, I interviewed um, Joe Montana and, you know, he's very successful in the business world. And I wanted to get, you know, lessons from him that he derived from, playing football to then he applied to running a company. And a couple of things he talked about was taking risks, calculated risks, that is, and staying cool under pressure. Of course, you know, his nickname was Joe Cool. Right. And it was very interesting conversation about how he applied, you know, the lessons from Bill Walsh and all the different people he was around. And then he took to the boardroom figuratively and literally when he was in the business world. So I'm curious from your perspective, 
and I, I want our, my listeners to hear this, what are some lessons you think you've learned coming up playing basketball and being in a structure and a team and, a, and those kinds of things that you're now applying to the business world? Boy, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> I would say don't come in with an ego. One. Two, be ready to read your ass off. Like anybody that has been a pro or college player, division, I would say division one, two college player, you have dedicated the majority of your life to playing a sport a certain way. When you get done with that, your work ethic, your ability to be a good teammate, and your competitiveness are the three things that will help you in business. The thing that will kill you in business is the ego play and thinking that you can do everything on your own, right? I have learned very quickly, I I really don't ask anybody for anything, right? I've tried not to. And people ask me for stuff and I'm like, dude, whatever you need, you know, I have now called upon every single business friend that I have ever had for advice on how to be successful for the future because I feel like I have to catch up. I'm not a second generation vintner, right? I'm three years into this, right? And this is the first year that I've really taken over as like CEO or president, whatever you want to call them. I hate titles. But for me, I need to learn how the best people do it. How do they forecast? How do you, again, how, how do you market? Who do you market to? Where are your markets? Where's your customer? You know, looking at P&Ls. They don't have P&Ls in basketball. Right. You don't have to forecast in basketball. You can't just be like, well, this this game, I made 24 points. Next game, I'll have 28. You know, there's a 40 percent increase. It's like, no, it don't work like that. For me, when you want to be successful in this business. Shut your mouth, open up your ears and then put your head down and go to work and do the work and become obsessed about this as you are obsessed about that, like whatever sport you were playing. You're going to take some losses. You're going to take some L's. But if you continue to work and you're doing it with passion and, and emotional engagement, most of the time, I would say things will work out. It, it reminds me, I'm a, I'm a big pop culture guy, right? And I'm always referencing movie quotes and different things like that. And there's a line from Dirty Harry that I always reference in my life. And it says, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. <laughs> and what, the way I interpret that is, it's important to not only know what you know, but know what you don't know. Yeah. And when and what you don't know, that's when you bring in the people who do know. Right. And that's basically what you're saying. For sure. Because at the end of the day, for a team to be successful, any team, you can't have two point guards. Hmm. Right? You gotta have a point guard, or for basketball at least, you gotta have you gotta have your distributor, right? The guy who's gonna hold everyone accountable by being unselfish, right? You need this assignment. You need that assignment. Maybe it one for me. Maybe one for two. And then you're gonna need you're gonna need an emotional leader, somebody who's like boots on the ground, diving on the floor. Who's when things are going like this, you need somebody to, to raise you up. And then honestly, just you need a you need a stats guy. You need a guy who's like I'm here, and every time I step on a court, I'm gonna give you 24 and 12. Whether we're up 30, down 30. I'm going to give you those. And you fill in the, the the work the other way. You fill in the rest of the team with, do you want to play fast? Do you want to play slow? Do you need a big man? Do you need another guard? Like when you're in business, you got to build your team around your strengths and weaknesses. And most of the time, 
most players' strengths and weaknesses are like just business acumen. You need somebody who's an expert in that field to help you be the best version of yourself so you could be yourself. Yeah, it it takes – look, you got to check your ego at the door. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. You oh. know, you're an NBA world champion, but you readily admit, I don't I, I didn't, I don't know much about this industry. I'm going to learn. Totally. And it's, you know, but you don't know until time, right? Mm -hmm. So you think, you know, but between, and we were talking about this before it's December. I took over in May, man, those seven months I've learned five years worth of stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning and still growing. And now the responsibility I have of knowing what I know you have to move your business slowly in that direction, right? All while of making sales and continuing to brand. But that's how a business builds. It's like, stack again, stacking bricks, stacking bricks until finally, mm-hmm. you know, some might fall and they got to restack them. You have to continue with the dream correctly and responsibly and making sure you build yourself and your team correctly with good chemistry and good energy towards what what your product is yeah as, as we've talked about off air the the good to great model about not only having the right people on the bus but in the right seats on the bus yeah oh yeah for sure you can't have all the big people on the side you know especially if you're making rights <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly let me shift here a little bit family member coach whatever is there one who you said have the biggest impact on your career Oh, easily. Coach Olson, Coach Lute Olson mm-hmm. took a chance on me when I was really just starting to develop, made a funny comment. It was like, you give me 110%, I'll give you 100 back, right? And he goes, I'm going to see things in you that you have never seen inside yourself. And that's a promise, right? And at first I didn't get it. And then my dad elbowed me on the car right home and he goes, I like this guy. And he also just said, hey, do your job. <laughs> that was his main thing was do your job. I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes you have to be a horse with blinders about what your job is. Now, obviously you may help people here and there, but what coach would get the most mad about was when somebody would make an excuse of, well, he wasn't there. That's why I wasn't there. Or he didn't do this. That's why I didn't do this. He's like, well, what is your job? Is your job? I I will yell at him or he'll come out the game but now I can't trust you to do your job through adversity. I can't trust you to do your job whenever somebody else is messing up. Like somebody doesn't come to work and all of a sudden you're like, well, I didn't come to work because he didn't come to work. Do your job. Do your job and then we could build out from there and let me hold someone else responsible. You can't have two two weak links in the, in the chain. Yeah. You got to be solid. You got to be steady. And that's how you create a winning team. Yeah, and I can I already know you're clearly applying that same to your business world. What yeah. Luke told you know, what what coach taught you all those years ago. For sure. And then I think for me it's like, is it about the name on the front or the back? Mm. Right? I, I think it's about the name on the front. And you know, coach at Arizona, we have had a lot of NBA players, especially during Coach O's years. Somebody I remember one game this player was being selfish and trying to get all these points. Halftime, coach goes, he goes, what's your problem? He goes, coach, I'm being aggressive. He goes, do you think that scouts want to see you shoot every single time? He goes, here's my list of uh, uh, lottery picks and NBA players. 
He goes, what do you think's the most somebody's averages, right? And he was like, 20-something? He's like, yeah, two out of these 50 have averaged over 25 or something like that. And they were all players of the year. He goes, they don't care how many points you score on this team. It's how many wins or losses and how do you affect winning or losing. For us to win, if we need you to score that much, everyone will give you the ball. If you're hijacking this, your win does not oversee our win. Very interesting. Yeah, he was great. Very applicable to the business world as well. Yeah. So I know the people listening, they can't see this, but you can see this, Channing. Behind me is a is a wall of album covers. Yeah. I'm a big, big music fan, very eclectic taste. And one of my, if not my all-time favorite song, is a song called Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Yeah. The lyrics have always resonated with me. And I, I ask every guest who comes on my show, is there one song, is there one group, is there one artist, is there one concert that I don't want to say is the soundtrack, but just has extra meaning for you and why? Oh, man. I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, 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 dude, I already got it. Stop. I live like this. I also have eclectic taste. The song that is, I would say, over these last seven years is the most, moves me the most, is uh, Mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin, the Rain song. Mm. So when my mother died, I don't know what happened. So I do know what happened. So she was buried in Brooklyn, New York, and we had a game, and... I had to take the train from New York to DC by myself. So I remember, you know, getting a car from the funeral. And this is my fault. I should have taken more time, but I wanted to just dive back into basketball and not think about it, whatever. I put my, you know, phone on shuffle, music on shuffle. And I remember I sat on this train and I was like, man, let me get a Jack and Coke and just kind of decompress. And that song came on and the waterworks. So I had a hoodie on and I remember it was waterworks for the whole time. And the lady, wonderful lady, I don't know her name, basically sat and was just like giving me a gigantic hug on this train for like an hour, right? The stewardess. And that song, after talking to therapists and then even, so that month between the time my mom died and my dad, that song became my song about that period of time in my life, but it's also about being able to move on and you have to let the, I just, you have to, I use it as you have to let the rain just wash off you, right? Wash these feelings, uh, you know, away. And it's also a time for me to accept like how life is sometimes. So talking to therapists that, you know, if I feel heavy or if I feel, you know, still feeling grief, I put that song on and I allow myself to feel those feelings instead of trying to chuck them in my pocket you know so as sad as that song is is as powerful as that song is of helping me move on and be happy with now in the present and so yeah that is my jam pretty sad story but you know that's that's the truth well listen you know as i tell everybody there's no right or wrong answer it's very subjective it's whatever whatever resonates with you so thank you for sharing that no worries we are up against it i cannot thank you enough for coming on it has truly been my honor. I'm so glad we met. I just love your story. And I cannot, yeah, I cannot wait to help in my small way tell your story through my show. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, man. It's always great. It's, what is it? No small, no large. You know, even if it's an audience of one, I, I, we take it serious. And because that one person might turn into one million. So 
just letting people know this is not just another famous person brand. This is something, this is my passion. This is, you know, I have a family and I love putting them in chosen gear. It's, it's, it's more than just a brand. This is like, literally I'm living my second dream. So this is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the CMO Whisperer Show. I hope you shared this episode with your friends. And if you have not already, please subscribe to be kept up to date on all the latest episodes. And if you're so inclined, leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you. Thank you.